0: We're we're celebrating strengths this this month as we kind of get into the new year, and uh, we're we're remembering how Jesus, when He was uh, getting ready to to complete His earthly ministry on the cross and in the resurrection, and He prayed to the Father and He said those, those beautiful but simple words, Father, I have brought You glory by completing the work that You gave me to do. And we're, we're, we're celebrating and we're very thankful that in fact Jesus did bring the Father glory by completing the work that he gave him to do. And uh, our lives and the whole world has tra- been transformed and is completely different because of the fact that Jesus completed that work. And at the same time that we're very thankful and admire him for that, we're also recognizing that at some level he has set for us an example that we too our our, our hope can be and our desire can be that as we move through this very day and through this year and through our lives that ultimately we too would be able to say, Father, I've brought you glory by completing the work that you gave me to do. Not the other person's work, not that person's work, but completing the work that you gave me to do. My desire has been to bring you glory. And so we've been talking about how we can... We can take the abilities and the talents and the strengths that God has poured into us and we can lean on them and leverage them in such a way that, that we can do the work that he gave us to do well. Not with just average quality, but to the very best of our abilities that he gave us to do it. And so just a little by way of review of these last few weeks, those of you maybe who haven't been around, we're, we're kind of forcing ourselves to shift our thinking a little bit in ways that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but hopefully in ways that are ultimately very helpful. And so we're asking some new sorts of questions, and we're moving in some new directions. Instead of asking what's wrong with ourselves and with others all the time, we're asking... Well, try. Thanks, some of you are remembering we're asking what's right with ourselves. We're asking what's right with those other people around you. I was talking with a friend of mine who's on the uh, school board in another city. I won't name this city, just so in case you know anybody. It's a far city from here, but he's on the school board, and, and I got him onto this kind of strengths finder thing, and so he talked to his school superintendent, and the school superintendent decided that they were gonna use this as board development. And my friend said, I am really anxious to have all the people on that school board take this strength because I have not yet seen a positive quality in a couple of them. <laughs> and I'm not sure that they exist. But he was looking forward to getting into this board meeting and going, ah, that's what it is. I was wondering. So, so we're, we're asking what's right and not what's wrong. We're, we're also not, not just trying to fix our weaknesses, which is our tendency, so that we can, as we've been saying, approach mediocrity. (laughs) But instead, we're trying to focus on developing our strengths, what we already do well, in hopes that as we do that, we can begin to do those things with even greater excellence for the glory of God. So we're not fixing weaknesses, we're developing strengths. And then, instead of feeling like we need to squeeze ourselves into some Christian mold that we have just kind of assume that that's what every Christian looks like or that's what they do or that's how they respond, we've decided that no, God has created us each uniquely and we're, we're affirming and celebrating that fact and, and living into that and, and grabbing all of that for, of who God made us to be, again, for his glory. So we, we, began to, we began to say how having an awareness of strengths in our lives can be very helpful in terms of just a basic overall approach or philosophy of life, some of these things. We, we've talked about how it can be a, a real strategic tool in our ministry, and we're going to talk more about that today or in life or in work. And we, all, we also talked about how this can be a really helpful system for developing relationships around us and uh, you know, how we interact with one another based on what's right and what God has done beautifully in each other as opposed to what's wrong. And then last week, we just kind of, we, we centered it and said, all right, well, what does this look like in a congregation? What does it look like when people together are beginning to live in their strengths? And we said, remember, that that means that, that, means that there's going to have to be room for diverse expressions of this discipleship. And we talked about how there's going to have to be, uh, now there's going to be an opportunity for people to partner with folks of differing strengths. And, and explore and become something that we could never be on our, on our own. And we talked about how, and I just love it. I mean, I, I just love these stories because it's helping us to foster a culture of affirmation and celebration. And, and Michelle, I hope you don't mind, but after the service, Michelle Fisher said to me, um, Pastor James, this is, so, this is so important because we are not really that good. And she wasn't speaking for herself necessarily, but for all of us. We are really not that good at affirmation. We're really not that good at celebration because, especially the affirmation, I mean, you look around our, our culture, our society, and, and how do most people get attention or laughter? It's through sarcasm and through kind of a biting or cutting humor. And so we've kind of, kind of gotten good at that, right? And, and, and we've kind of grown to even expect that, so much so that when we affirm somebody, it almost feels awkward or it... Authent- inauthentic even, and so we kind of have to say, no, you look nice. No, oh, really, you do. <laughs> that was a beautiful song. No, I'm serious, it really was. You know, we have to, we have to justify our affirmations. And, uh, wow, you're really, you're a great listener. No, I'm not just saying that so you'll be quiet. No, really, I mean, <laughs> you, you really are a great listener. You know, I mean, we, we, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> we, uh, we have to justify our affirmations. so we we're behind the eight ball on this one. You know what I'm saying? We, we have some work to do to catch up, but we're getting there. We're moving there as the Lord leads us for his glory to complete the work that he's given us to do. So I want to continue this conversation today um, about living in our strengths. And again, this workshop that we'll have next week, Friday night and Saturday morning, just to just to talk. I'm really looking forward to it. It's kind of coming together. It's kind of been all over the place in my mind what we're going to do in those hours, but it's synthesized. I'm really looking forward to that time. I think it's going to be some great uh, further learning and interaction and discussion about how we put this into action in our lives. So I hope you'll be there, but I want to continue. this. I want to start by just doing a little myth busting. Uh, You watch that TV show, Myth Busters? Has anybody ever seen that? You know, like... um, if you drink Diet Coke and eat mentos at the same time, will your stomach really explode? You know? Or, or I like this one. Will a, will a bull really do damage in a China closet? You know, in a in a China shop? So so you know, they sample these things out and they either affirm or bust those myths. But I wanna I wanna bust a few myths, or at least chip away at them a little bit here this morning. I might not be able to break break them down completely for you. But these these are just really quick, all right? Here's the first one. Here's the first myth. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. Some of you are like, that sounds good. I've lived my whole life by that philosophy. I just keep trying, and I just keep not succeeding. (laughs) We like the ideas of perseverance, right? We affirm that. It's the good old American spirit. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and keep it going. If you don't succeed, then try it again. If you don't succeed, try it again. Keep going. And there's something to be admired about that without a doubt. But is there something crazy about that as well? I'm not succeeding. I think I'll do it again. So I can be unsuccessful once again. What if we changed it and we said this? If at first you don't succeed, check to see if you're building on a string. If you're not succeeding, you know, give it a few times. I'm not saying stop the first time, but but if you're noticing, I'm not really doing so well at this, then maybe check and see, is that really part of who God's made me to be? Because if not, maybe I need to leave that to somebody else, and I'll pick up on another aspect of, of life. Here's the next myth. Practice makes Perfect. I'm a, I'm a coach, right? I like to coach my kids' teams, and so I like to run drills, and we do those drills over and over and over, and I'm trying hard not to say this phrase, because I, I, what does practice really make? A lot, of practice. a lot of practice. It makes, I'm getting a little bit better, and ultimately, perhaps, yeah, I mean, the Gallup did the research and said, those who have become the best at what they do have been at it for 17 years on average. That's the kind of interesting research Gallup does. But, um, so practice does help us get there. But what if we were to say this instead? Practicing a strength makes perfect. What if we were to, again, hone in on what we're created to do and really, really focus our efforts there? Then absolutely, we begin. remember this phrase? I love this. We began to move towards world-class level yeah. at these things. Wouldn't it be great? Again, another little tidbit from Gal. They, they like this. That, or they say that a strength, this whole, this whole philosophy or this whole idea is based on the fact that, that every person, each, each of you, is better at something than 10,000 other people. I'm not sure exactly what all that means, but doesn't it sound good? <laughs> You're better at something than 10,000 other people. So practice it. Perfect it. And here's the last one. With uh, the myth, if if I can do it, you can do it. How many times have you said that to to you know your child or a a friend or you know a co-worker? Why can't these people? I can do it. You know how how often does my my wife say that about me? I mean, she doesn't really, but you know I can do this, James. Why can't you? And I know how how many of you do we say that about each other? I can do it, and it's so—it seems so easy. You know, it's like hip pocket. We got this back of our hand, no problem. But the reality is, it's not the case. The truth is, if I can do it, those with the same strengths can do it, and uh, we need to help folks with that. Here's a here's a picture. I hope this got in there. It didn't. Can can you get it for later? I, I think it'd be fun anyway. I'm going to talk about it, and you go ahead. Jake's going to put this picture in. Um, and, uh, and it's a picture of a, I'll describe it, and then we'll see if my words accurately describe it, right? It's a picture of a red uh, hand water pump. Comes out, out of the ground. It's in front of our cabin in, in Idaho. And I've maybe talked about this pump before to some of you. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, uh, pump, and, and it's right out in front of our cabin. And rumor, or word has it, that at, there was a time many years ago when this was the primary water source for the, the neighborhoods and the cabins all around that area. And everybody would come to get their water, you know, for cooking and bathing and washing, whatever it might be, for, from this pump. Well, that's not the case anymore. Now we have sinks and, you know, water department and all that kind of stuff going on there. But we still have this pump. And, uh, and, and I love it because... It's it's like a it's like a test for us because every summer we 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 try out the pump. There it is. I also like this picture because there's a cute little guy in that in that picture. That's my son about three four years ago. I don't know. But there's the pump. There's the pump. I know that boy is kind of distracting, but there's the pump. He's working on. It. This is what we do every summer. We we work that pump handle to see if we can get some water out of there and. Usually my kids conk out after about 30 seconds. And then I have to jump in, and I work it the rest of the time. And if you'll be patient, and if you'll work at it long enough, then suddenly the cool mountain water will begin to just gush from the nozzle, from the, the tap right there. It'll just, it'll just gush out all over the ground, and you've got to get your hands down there and start drinking it up it's just a, it's a beautiful, fresh uh, experience. Now, I, I just kind of have this sense as I was thinking about this that, well, we've been reminded in these weeks that, that we are each fearfully and wonderfully made by this Creator God, that, that we are um, each the workmanship of, of Christ Jesus, that, that uh, He has put things into us that are beautiful and powerful. We, we've, we haven't explicitly said this, but we're even remembering that, that God created Man and woman. And when he did, he said, it's good. It's good. So we're remembering that there's the, the beautiful reality that, you can go ahead and put it back up. The beautiful reality is that like the, like the red pump, um, we each have been blessed by God. There is a, is a, a, a substantial reservoir of untapped potential within each of us. Just like there's a well of water, a reservoir of ice cold, just running water to be brought up from that pump, there is an enormous degree of talent and ability within each of us that is as yet untapped and needs to be drawn out. And and here's the deal, if if we will be patient and if we'll do the work that's required of us, then we will be able to draw that out and draw it to the surface where we can truly begin to be and do all that God has designed us to do. And I just and I just don't want any of us to really live another day but especially to live our lives without at least approaching that potential, at least drawing out in large portions that that potential for, of drinking deeply from the well of all that God has poured into us. Now, um in, in in Gallup's language, again, we're we're leaning heavily on them with a lot of this stuff and their research. They they refer to this process of discovering and apply and, and developing and applying your talents, your strengths, and your abilities as, as, with one little phrase. It's just this one: doing what you do best. Doing what you do best. And some of you remember perhaps you took the survey. Uh, over a year ago now, and, it, and there was a question on there that just simply said, in my congregation, I have the opportunity to do what I do best. And some of you have circled the big five, and some of you circle circled the one, and some of you circle circled the three, or somewhere in between. And, and, and we have varying degrees of that, but what a beautiful concept. If we were to get through this idea uh, into our minds of what it might look like, and what it might mean for each of us to, to, to do what I do best. To live kind of in that sweet spot of who I've been created to to be and to do. And not only what that might do for us on the levels of our own personal satisfaction. I mean, that's important, but it's minimal really when we begin to think about what that might mean for the body of Christ. What that might mean for the kingdom of God. What that might mean for the advancement of God's purposes in the world. When each one of us were able to say, in my congregation. Both in and outside the walls, I have the opportunity to do what I do best now to get to this there, there are some critical factors that we have to piece together and uh, and that's what I want to look at for just a few more minutes this morning. The first is that we have to get we have to get clear on our calling. if you're a follower of Jesus this morning then, then you have a calling. if you are, if you're seeking after him and trying to discover his will and his way for your life then then this is kind of what you might be signing up for. But, but when you become a follower of Jesus, we each receive a, a calling. Now, some, those callings perhaps take different looks. Josh and Jamie talked about one aspect of that. But we all have a broad a very general but powerful calling that we have upon our lives. And I want to just look at this for just a moment, this passage from Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16. Would you read this with me? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus says to the disciples, you are the light of the world. If we're followers of Jesus, then we are the light of the world. And a light is not to be hidden. A light is not to be covered up. A light is to shine. We are each called to shine the light of Jesus. If you want to boil it down into that, you know, basic (laughs) that basic statement this is what we're called to do to shine the light of Jesus to point people towards him to 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 live in such a way that our lives make this world a brighter place and that people those who don't know Jesus are able to look at our lives and get a sense of who he is that they might as well give praise to God see getting clear on our calling will help us answer the, the why question of ministry. This helps us answer, the, why should I minister? Why should I serve the Lord? Why should I involve myself in the ministry of the church? Why should I engage in the community around me with the good news of Jesus? Why should I do that? I mean, other people are doing it. They seem to be doing just fine. I'm not sure if I want to get in there and mess it all up. Why, why should I do it? Well, because... We are to be the light of the world. We are each called to that. Now, this is what we were talking about earlier with Josh and Jamie, that sometimes that light shining may take different expressions. We may be called in different ways, whether it's, you know, in a, in a vocation or in a particular ministry or in a particular, even just a, a, a moment or a conversation. We may have a sense of being called into that moment and callings may change throughout our lives at different levels and different times and different opportunities. The importance is to be tuned in and to be listening to how we might take this general calling to be the light of God in the world and to apply it in these different situations that we come up against. Why would I be involved in this? Because I am called to do this. I just have this sense that most of us, if not not all of us, and maybe not even most of us, but many of us would say, well, you're a pastor, you're called. Or, you know, they're missionaries, they're called. They went on the mission trip to Sri Lanka, they were called. But are we willing and able to step back and to say, hey, in my workplace, I'm called. At my school, I have a sense of calling to go and to be the light of Christ in that place. In my family, is there a sense of calling, yes, upon us to be the light of Christ in that place? We have this sense of calling, answering the why question. the second. Fact that we want to add to it is this, that um, we need to have a a growing awareness, if not a settled recognition, but a growing awareness of our spiritual gifts. Now, we've been talking about talents and abilities and strengths a lot, and maybe for some of you you've been wondering, right, where do the, the spiritual gifts kind of fit in with this? And and how do how does what the Bible say about the giftings that we receive from the Holy Spirit, how does that mesh or you know, contrast, or how does it connect with the, the, the role of strengths in our lives? Well, uh, I want to read, first of all, just this passage. And, and I think I have, it's uh, Romans chapter 12. And I think I start at verse 3. Let me read this for you. You can follow along on your screen on the screens or in your Bible. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The the question of spiritual gifts and recognizing what what the Apostle Paul is talking to us about here, again, talked about this a little bit last week, but recognizing that, that God has given each of the members of the body unique expressions, unique ways of of living and serving and being the body of Christ. He seems to suggest here, I thought this was interesting, interesting, that if we fail to recognize and affirm our spiritual gifts, we're not only doing harm to ourselves, ultimately, but to the entire body. And so there's a, there's a call upon us as a part of that calling to live out our spiritual gifts and to put those into action as well. We each have a role to fill, a part to play in this whole process. Now, spiritual gifts, if, if calling answers the why, then spiritual gifts answers the what question of, of ministry, the what question. What, what am I, okay, I'm called. I have a sense, I'm, I'm there, I'm here, it's called. Now, what am I supposed to do? Well, that's when we begin to look at some of these spiritual gifts that we're talking about here in Romans 12. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's some more lists of these. And we want to do some assessments and things like that with us, but we don't really want to confuse it with the strengths right now. So some of you have done that before. Some of you have a sense of what your spiritual gifts are. We can do it through assessments, or you can really just do it by how you're sensing as you look at these lists that are given, how you're sensing what God is doing in you. This is the what of my ministry. This is what I'm going to do as I live out my ministry. I love how Paul says it here in Romans, if if it's... You know, if it's service, serve. If it's leading, lead. If it's giving, give. Just just do it, in a sense. Just make it happen. This is the what of our ministry. And, and again, if we're not sure about what those gifts are, then then I think these are pretty safe just to begin to try out. Just just serve somebody. See how that goes. Just encourage somebody, would you? See how, see how that works out for you. Give. Maybe, maybe you heard that, the the Weitzman situation today and you're thinking, I I need to give to that. Something strikes in your heart. Maybe it it hasn't necessarily been proven that a spiritual gift is with you for your entire life. It's possible that spiritual gifts do come for a long period of time or it's possible that maybe they come just for that moment or for that occasion. Could it be that that the Holy Spirit would tap on someone's shoulder or on your heart today as you heard that story and say, I want you to give generously. I want you to do it with a grateful heart. That could be a spiritual gifting in that moment. We're called to shine the light of God and we're asked to do so within the gifts of the spirit that we've been giving. The what of ministry. Then the last one is strengths. How do our strengths fit in to this? our strengths are not meant to take the place of spiritual gifts. They're not meant by any means to take the place of our calling. They're meant to enhance both of those things. Our strengths, you might think of as the salt and pepper. This is the flavor that is added to the calling that God has placed on each of us and the gifts that he has given us in order to do the ministry. And so we might say that if the calling is the why and the the gifts are the what, then the strengths are the how. Okay, I know I'm called, that's why I want to do it, and I've got these gifts, that's what I'm going to do, but now as I live into and lean into these strengths, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to carry out the ministry that God has put before us. This is where we give again and get our own unique flavor, where we get to personalize those gifts that we've been given. And, and, and apply them in ways that, that only we can. Let me just illustrate really quickly like this. You might have, you might have two, two people, and I won't have two of you stand. I was thinking about just having two people stand. But just imagine two people standing here, and, uh, well, Becky and Kyla, just stand up. Sorry, I wasn't going to do it, but that's my sister and my wife. So I can kind of pick on them. Although they'll both get me for it, but but imagine—I I don't even necessarily know—I know most of what their strengths are, and I have some ideas about their gifts. But but um, imagine with me that that each of them have a um, a, a calling, right? They're followers of Jesus. Both these gals—they have a calling upon them to be the light of Christ in the world. No doubt about it, unquestionable—a calling to be the light of Christ. Now. They might be called in different ways and in different places. These gals are very similar, both called in their families and in their kids' schools and in the community and in different ways, but are in unique and similar ways. But, but the calling is, is very similar. Now, the gifts, let's just imagine that they each have a gift of encouragement. I don't think we have to imagine that too much. It's not too much of a stretch that Becky and Kylie could have the gift of encouragement. But let's imagine that they both have the gift of encouragement. Now, um, that's the what, all right? That's what they are to do. They both know they're gifted in this way, and they want to do that. But let's begin to look at the different ways that they are, the different abilities and strengths that they have within them. Now, I, I'm not going to, I don't really, I, I do know what their strengths are, but for the sake of illustration, imagine that Becky has communication and positivity. Do you have both of those? I <laughs> hey, that, that worked out well. Communication and positivity. How will Becky encourage people? Well, communication. She might write a lot of notes to people. Huh? Communicating, encouraging you at a difficult time. Or she might just go right up to somebody and, and just communicate to them her words of encouragement. And she will be able to speak them very eloquently and with, with meaning and significance so that the person knows when they've spoken with Becky that they're encouraged. Or with her positivity, she might just have a way of, of shaking the hand or giving the hug at the right moment or, or with a smile or with a sense of it's going to be okay that they should be able to lift that person with her gift of encouragement in a beautiful and a powerful way. All right, so that's how Becky might express it. Now, imagine somebody else, Kyla, for example, who, uh, who might have uh, developer. You have that, right? And responsibility. Here's a couple that Kyla does have. Imagine how someone with developer and responsibility might encourage someone. Well, with developer, instead of this, you know, big communication thing or a big slap on the back, it might just be, uh, well, how are you doing today? You know, just a little word of or somehow feeding into somebody's life, doing something for them, actually, that could help them to just advance or move forward a little bit more and be a little bit more encouraged that day. Something tangible, something practical that could help them take that next step. Or with responsibility to, to, to encourage someone if you have responsibility. You, Kyla might, again, just as we learned about her last week, she might just make a list of all the people who need to be encouraged. And just you know, make a flow chart or a, you know, something for the week that she can be sure to get around to each person that week and encourage them in just the way that they need to be encouraged. So you guys can sit down. Thank you very much. You can get me later. But do we see how our strengths, why this is so important? Because, again, it's not about cookie cutter. It's not about just doing it the same way. It's about adding your flavor, adding your personality, adding who God has made you to be to the puzzle. And making it all come together. The how really of, of ministry. And some of you have been asking, maybe or thinking to yourself, you know, how do we apply these strengths? And that was initially one of my big questions about it. how do we what do we do with it? All right, I know I've got this strength. Now what do I do with it? Well, this is kind of how what you do with it. You you begin to just add it in here and lean on it and leverage it and put it and and kind of combine it with these other things. And before you know it, you're feeling strong you're living strong and you're making an impact that is strong well what will this impact look like really really quick just let me give you these things i think this when we're when we're um when we're doing what we do best when we're doing what we do best there will be less frustration anybody ever get frustrated in ministry anybody ever get frustrated when you're Doing something and suddenly you look around and you're like, I don't like to do this. Nobody's getting any good out of this. <laughs> I'm I'm just tired. That's pretty much all I am. Maybe be a little bit less frustration when we're doing what we do best. When we're sliding into that sweet spot, and when there's less frustration, there'll be less burnout, right? I mean, it, it's kind of like a, a you know we each have a we each have a battery in a sense within us, a ministry battery, and. And it's either being drained or it's being charged. And when we're doing when we're not doing what we do best, when we're doing what we think we ought to do, when we're serving out of obligation or, or duty only, not that those things are entirely bad, but when they're our only motivation, then our battery is being drained. Our alternator, is that what it is, the mechanics in the world, is not working. It's draining. But but when we're serving in our sweet spot where we're ministering and doing what we do best, then you've been there, I hope, where you just sense, oh, this feels great. <laughs> My battery is being recharged right now. I'm not burning out, I'm I'm catching fire <laughs> in a beautiful way. There'll be less frustration, less burnout. There'll be more, more productivity. If we're all doing what we do best then it's going to be a whole lot more productive place. We're going to be more effective. The people that we're ministering to and among will be better helped in that, both in our local church and in the community and across the world. There's going to be results of this action as we move and as we do what we do best. And here's the one that I just really want to highlight because I'm positivity. It'll just be a lot more fun. It, can, can anybody get with me that ministry can be fun are you is it just the positivities in the, in the room or can we all agree with that at some level that that this can be fun that when we're doing what we do best when we're having the sense that yes I am doing the work I'm completing the work that God gave me to do that, that there's a sense of joy that just overwhelms and comes in and we're connecting with people and we're serving and we're being recharged and we're seeing results and we're doing this and that and God is being glorified. Doing what we do best. Well I, I said this told you this story before but often I'll ride my bike from our house out to the ocean out to Galita Beach. And um, I remember one time in particular I was riding it out and uh, Man, I was, I was just, I was cruising. I mean, I was going out there, it usually maybe takes me 15 or 20 minutes, and I think it took me like 10. I was just feeling so good. I was feeling so strong. And I don't know what it was. I was like, wow, I must have eaten really well, or got some good sleep last night, or something's good, you know, growth spurt. I don't know, I'm feeling good. And, And then I got out there, and I was hanging out at the beach, and just thinking about how Strong, I felt, and looking at the ocean, and thanking God for all that. And then I got back on my bike and I started right back. And I was doing so bad because there was probably about a 20 mile an hour wind coming right into my face. Yeah. And it probably took me like 50 minutes to get home, and it was a lot more laborious. And my legs were burning, and I'm like, you know, trying to cut through it. And it's just a, it was miserable, right? And this, I think, is maybe a good illustration for us as we think about doing what we do best. Doing what we do best is, is what it feels like. Or, or, when we do that, it feels like we've got the wind at our back. In Ministry. in giving of our lives. in serving the Lord. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, very, it's powerful. It's effective. It's strong when we're moving with a sense of the wind at our back. And I, and I think we could... Really even tie that into the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives who is, who is moving and blowing and, and moving us forward in ways that we never could on our own. And, and at the same time, when we try to just force it, then it's like staring right into the face of a wind that can slow us down and make us work a whole lot harder for less productivity. So how does this look like for us in our church? Well, it really means that the ministry around here is going to be less defined by me or a church board and and even a list of the, the potential ministries and more defined by what it is that God has made you to be. More defined by your gifts and your and your strengths, and and in term, in, instead of a kind of a top down imposing of ministry for the church, there's going to be a more and more a grassroots uprising of ministry based on who God has made us to be. We're not like any other church. I'm not saying that <laughs> boastfully. That in fact. We might be a whole lot weirder than another church. I don't know. But we're not like any other church. What that means is we've got specific and unique callings and gifts and strengths. And it's our task. And this is where I will do all I can to help you. And your church board wants to come alongside you and other leaders in our church. Come alongside us to discover what that is. And do that together and alone doing what we do best. Kind of looked like that guy for a second, didn't I? Let's, let's stand up, can we? Lord Jesus, thank you that, uh, well, we're not supposed to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, and that's for sure. We, we, we wouldn't even dream or desire to do that by any means, but we, we sure do want to think of ourselves in, in the way that you've created us, and to affirm and celebrate what it is that you've poured into us. We thank you for your calling upon each of our lives. We thank you for the spiritual gifts that your Holy Spirit is equipping us with even now. And we thank you for the strengths and the talents and abilities that you've you've poured into us. And we pray, God, that as we as we shift our thinking, as we bust through some myths, myths that uh, we would be able to connect these three in such a way that we truly would be able to do what we do best. Discovering what that is, first of all, and then Developing and applying it in such a way that your kingdom advances, that the church takes ground, that Jesus is lifted up, that God is glorified. May you have your way in us. We give ourselves to that quest today. We pray this in Jesus' name.